All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. everybody i hope you had a good wednesday do people still call it hump day tim i don't even know but i hope you still had a had a good hump day what is that from tim quick a commercial with a camel bud light right probably yeah they always have Bud light or geico or yeah or pepsi one of the three they usually bring the heat when it comes to doritos Maybe. Doritos, they do they do some good ones too. But yes, thanks for joining us, everybody. I hope everybody's having a good Thursday, kicking off the week, an early weekend celebration. We got a big night tonight, Tim. It is a big night in the NHL. But before we get to that, you said you had a funny story that you were excited to tell me. You had a night last night to remember. It was like a hangover. You remember some things, you don't remember other things. What is this story? Not, you, you can't wait to tell me and all the listeners. <clears throat> not quite that exciting. I did have one beer, but so I do remember all of it. Last night, you I got went roofied. To, <laughs> I went to my first ever uh, board game tournament for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, no. You know, you had me with the first half board game tournament jackpot. And then you lost yeah. me with the last Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. It was uh the night was half it was half the tables were Dungeons and Dragons half the table was a different game called Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. and I had heard of both of them I'd never played either one no. and I was so <laughs> do you want to hear this or we move on I'm I just <laughs> okay go go well I I wanted to I don't know I I've, I've seen it like on TV and movies and stuff I'm like oh I'll give that a try I like some fantasy like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones Larping. so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, but I, but then everything shut down with COVID and like I'd even found a group in Traverse City like two years ago, but then game, people weren't meeting anymore. So I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot. And I found something in Charlotte and uh, they play every Wednesday night. And I went and it was a little strange because it's like it's a big, really cool store. Cool. If you like that sort of thing, lots of cards and games and figurines and whatever. And in the back, they have this like pretty big room where there's all these mostly guys actually it was all guys uh what one girl there's a girl who worked that's there. so right. this is my surprised face wow only guys who play dungeons and dragons well, okay no there was okay. there was two girls one worked there another one was uh she was my dungeon master for this for my table she was the running the PG, game that we pg episode tim that's the term it's the dungeon master okay and i'm so just letting you know they're, they're the game runners so I get uh, I get sit down with her and like a couple other guys come over and it's a relatively small game. Usually there's like five or six in a, in a, and they call it a party. And there was only three of us plus uh, our <laughs> John's laughing so hard. Three it's of us tough. plus this girl, Jennifer. That was That's name. a party. That's funny. So you pick you pick your characters like there's things to pick from and you're like one character's faster, but he's uh, maybe weaker and the other one's really strong, but he isn't smart and like you need all these different skills so you got to have a variety in in your party to tackle whatever challenges may come and it's like mario kart 
where you pick, you know, Yoshi's small, but he's super fast. Bowser's just a tank, but he's a little slow. Everybody's got their, you know, weaknesses and strengths. Sorry, Tim. Go ahead. That was beautiful. Yeah, that was well put. Um, so, yeah. And so the scenario that she had, like, prepared. So she's got, like, a stack of papers with, like, different it's like a lot of storytelling but also like you're creating a narrative but like we'll throw in these like monsters and right let me let me stop you there and ask a question does she just make this up on her own or is this from the actual game like dungeon and dragons this is this is this is an official thing that she i don't know if if it was actually from that company there's probably other companies that produce like stories and cards or whatever but um but she's got like maybe 40 pages printed out from from this source um, okay and it was a pretty basic one and and it was called level one like the other two guys have been playing for years and they were kind of like i think they were a little bored because it, was it wasn't like, a good party it was a boring party for them it was a uh yeah and the, this girl was not very good at, at being a dungeon master bad dungeon matter oh, master bad party yeah she basically like if i if I didn't know better, which I don't really, other than doing a little research this week is the, all she did was really read the papers. Um, what did you want like, her to do, Tim? What's a good dungeon master do? Well, okay. Let me tell you. So, so the scenario that we had, we were part of a, a caravan that was heading up like this snowy mountain pass, um, trying to get to another a town, you know, a few days journey away. And, and the first thing that happens is like, there's a big avalanche coming and you get like a couple of seconds to decide what to do. And we could transition so, right into hockey talk right now, if you wanted to with that avalanche, <laughs> but I'll let it go. <laughs> do you want to? I no. So anyway, I'll, I can fast forward this, but it was, it was really strange because you got like, I would say eight or nine tables, all with five or six guys at each of them quiet. It was like loud but but quiet at the same time like they were all talking quietly but all their voices it was hard to hear the girl like right next to me and so but they're all doing their thing they've had like long running games that like they they pick up where they leave off each week and stuff so they're like very deeply they're into it um and and so we like deal with the avalanche and then like there's the wolves that came and like they're trying to nip at the survivors and then we got to camp out overnight and then like you got to like act not act out but like i don't know tell the story and then, then they can throw us the dungeon master can throw stuff at you anytime they want it's like hey you guys camped out for the night but you you didn't have anyone um stay up to keep watch or have like a rotation of people keeping watch so wolves came and killed one of your guys and stole all your supplies and things like that so like okay now we don't have that extra armor that we started with. So we're a little bit weaker if we come across the next thing, which is like, there was a, there's different monsters. It was like, oh a cave gosh, troll. Right. yeah. And so it was really awkward because those two guys weren't super into it because they were kind of playing like below. It would be like you playing skating at a learn to skate thing. And you're like, okay, this is dumb and stupid. But how can they be better? Do they just know more or do they come it, with yeah. armor or stuff or? Uh, and a lot of it's super subjective. Like, can you come up with like a creative solution to a problem? Like, as opposed to like, it's not just like black and white where there's like, Hey, you run into this. This is what you do. It's like the dungeon, the dungeon master to- judges everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's, they're like, they're an arbitrator. They're a storyteller. They're like, they'll throw things at you. And if they know that your character speaks like, <sighs> Uh, the language of the elves, for example, she's kind of maybe keeping that in the back of her mind that maybe there's in one of the dungeons or one of the caves, there's like uh, an elvish scroll that if you, that she knows that you can read, your character can read, but it's also on you to remember like, oh, my guy speaks elvish. I'll, I'll step up and, and try All to right. read this. We'll, we'll, we'll cut this out. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't want to judge. I'm, did you have fun? Did you have fun? Honestly, not really. It was just awkward, awkward silences. She was kind of a strange girl, didn't do a good job. And those guys, it was just weird. It was weird. I think the game is cool. I would try it again maybe someday. I don't think I'll go to that night again. Uh, I'm glad I tried it. And yeah, you would have loved it. You can come. You can come. We'll no, go. I Next don't. Week. I'm not a very creative person. 
I like definitive finite beginning and end numbers and science and numbers yeah. like an ideal game for me. I like risk. I like monopoly. I like those types of games where I can go, okay, I need to do this, this, and this to win. I don't need someone making up the rules halfway through the game, telling me that there's an ogre who just took a, a dump on my campfire. And now because I was <laughs> sleeping, all my foods tainted. Like I, I just, I, I can't handle that stuff. It, it's too, it's too make believe for me. I need something I can hold on to. You know what I mean? My, my creativity yeah. isn't there. You're more creative than I am. You know, you have that. It, what side of your brain? I'm more of a the left side. I think you're, you're more left, your right, yeah. your right side of your brain where you, you your creativity is you're firing on that side. Mine's dead. I've been punched in the head too many times on my right side of my brain. Makes sense, though. But good for you. You went to a party last night. That's good. You can tell yeah. your, your mom. <laughs> I went to a party. Mom, I went to a party. Yeah. I met some friends. There was a girl there. It was great. There was a girl there. There were two, actually. I think, uh, yeah. But if if any of our listeners, I'm sure many of you have played, I would love to hear from you. On Don't what... insult our listeners like that. I guarantee it's you. It's a very popular game, John. I will I'll get, I'll get some messages about less that. Less than 3%. Less than 3% of our listeners have, have played that game. That's still tens of thousands of people. No, it, that is probably a thousand people. It, it, we no, 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 not not this crowd. But yeah, if you have, let Tim know, and you can go play with them. It, it, I, I'm trying not to insult anybody. That is not my cup. Of tea. You know, to each their own. <laughs> just to each their own. I won't. I'm not going to insult anyone either. We can move on. But just, I want you to just use your imagination. Use that that right side of your brain to imagine what some of the people there were like that go to these things i immediately the, think of trench coat mafia it was yeah a lot of fedoras um a lot of the backpacks like with the one strap across you know yep. um a lot of a lot of everyone some a lot of guys would bring their own uh meals or whatever like because it's like six to ten it's a long night and so john just rolled his eyes and uh but like guess guess what these guys are bringing what kind of food and and diet this, no, this it's it's enjoy. it's two liter pops and lunchables, yeah. fast food. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of cookies, uh, yeah. sodas. It doesn't strike yeah. me as an active crowd who's going out there and like exercising and just really super healthy. No, no, it wasn't. And and I'm not going to bully anyone, but there was just just use it's your not bullying to tell the truth. Let's say you're not bullying when you tell the truth. Like it's the truth. So just, you know, accept it. And it, you know, it is, that's, that's that credit to each their own. Everybody's allowed to do what they like to do. So good for them. They found something. It's a party, man. They, they found their party, not my cup of tea. I probably will never play that game. It's not, it doesn't jive with me. I, you know what? I had a great time. I played um, guess who with my oldest daughter fantastic uh, she beat me three games in a row so i threw the game out i was like we're never playing this again <laughs> well yeah th those are my types of games i it's funny we're like an exciting podcast i watered my garden last night i was so happy watching the hummingbird feeder while i planted a garden everything's exploding the tomatoes are going through the roof the beans are sprouting i planted some sunflower seeds with my kids and they're just like growing like weeds it's it's my zucchinis my squashes Nice. It's my cucumbers. Oh, I'm telling you what, Tim, I'm a domesticated husband. My wife's literally about to have a baby. We're, we're minute to minute at this point. So let's get this hockey podcast started. We haven't even touched on it. There's a big night tonight. we got the NHL draft 2022 Minnesota wild have the first overall pick the New Jersey devils. Number number two, Arizona coyotes, three Seattle crack and Philadelphia. What's that? The Canadians have the first pick. Who, who did I say? Minnesota Wild. Oh, Montreal. Can you, you know why I said the Minnesota Wild? Because I'm just all in on that stinking Kirill Kaprizov thing. He's over trapped in Russia. Who knows what's going on over there? But let's stick with the draft. Before we came on, Tim and I were just throwing around ideas about draft, how it impacts your franchise, and how altering it can be for your trajectory of your whole franchise for years and years and years. And we're just throwing out scenarios of what if Toronto didn't get the first overall pick? What if Buffalo got it? What if, you know, Austin Matthews, what if Evgeny Malkin would opted into the draft instead of out of the draft, Th these sorts of things. And then you go back and you look at how it just changes a team and how a team like the second overall pick, the New Jersey devils, they've, they've been in the tank for the last five years. They've been in a rebuild mode. They had some success when Taylor Hall was there. They dealt him. They 
they've been, you know, building, trying to gain success. And they've had some high draft picks. They got the number one overall pick in 2017. They got the number one overall pick in 2019. They had the number, I don't know, whatever pick in 2018, number six overall pick in 2015. So they've been getting high draft picks. They've been drafting quality players that are supposed to be franchise altering players. And to come out of this stretch to have the number two overall pick this year, you got Jack Hughes, you know, you got Nico Hirshire. They're projected this year to draft some guy out of Slovakia that you're Juraj Slavkovsky. It's just all these names are impossible for me. They're impossible. Or they could get, well, they're not going to get Logan Cooley because they've been drafting centers like it's going out of style. They're going to go for a winger probably. But then you translate that to a team who had a couple high draft picks, whether it's the Chicago Blackhawks, whether it's the Pittsburgh Penguins, whether it's the Edmonton Oilers, whether it's the Colorado Avalanche, and they're getting multiple years of high draft picks. You get Kane and Taves, you get Malkin, Crosby, Latang, Fleury, you get Dreinsidel, McDavid, you get Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon, McCarr. You get all of these high draft picks and all of these teams, these players have just just completely changed the franchise multiple Stanley cups for these teams, except for Edmonton, obviously, but that's an outlier based on the GM, just not knowing how to do his job. Then you look at a team like the New Jersey devils or a team like the Buffalo Sabres or a team, even I'll throw the Toronto Maple Leafs in that mix. You draft these players, they're high end, high caliber players. You expect to change your team and vault you into championship pedigree potential. And they just haven't done it. And it just, as a GM, you must just bash your head against the wall when you look at other teams. It's like, why can't our players do that? Why did we get a draft year where these guys aren't as impactful as another year? What do I have to do to get an impactful player? When you look at this year's draft, all the pundits, all the scouts, all the talking heads are kind of saying the same thing. And it centers around nobody in this draft is an impactful player. There's no one who's going to come in and just alter the franchise. And so now what these teams are doing, these one, two, and three picks, they're trying to mitigate their risks. And when you have a one, two, or three pick, you don't want to mitigate risks. You want a guy who's going to come in and go, okay, boom, I'm going to plug you in and you're going to be my star player for 10 years. You're my 1A centerman, and you're just going to take me to the promised land. And this isn't happening. This isn't happening this year. You got a guy, Shane Wright, out of Kingston, very good, very solid player. He's been the projected number one pick for a long time. The guy out of Slovakia, Juraj Slokovsky, he is a very high-end winger, very elite. Then you got this guy out of the USHL, Logan Cooley, who is just kind of an unknown. He, he's a got a he's a playmaker. He's been slowly jumping up the draft boards, but nobody. Nobody is, a, is just a locked-in, surefire, number one overall guy. And it's if you're the Montreal Canadiens, like, what do I have to do? What, why, why is it this year that we, we get this draft class, but then, you know, two years ago, you're banging out stars? I don't know, Tim. I, I just, we were talking about that. What do, you, what do you think about the whole draft? Is, is it that important for a team to nail their draft? Because then you look at a team like Tampa Bay, Yes, they got Sam close. But then when you look at their draft, every single one of their impactful players, other than Sam close and Hedmond, is drafted in the second round. Kucherov, second round. Point, third round. Sorelli, third round. Kalorn, third round. Palat, seventh round. Hedman, yes. And you got Vasilevsky. But that's, that's a good chunk of your team who is impactful that was drafted second round or later which is unheard of to, in today's game where you know you're you're making trades you're signing free agents so anyways back to my original question how important is this draft for these these two or three top teams that need to kind of kickstart their franchise uh it is important i think about in like two different buckets you have the teams that that really get just strike gold with the getting the first overall pick when there is a franchise altering player available 2015 Connor McDavid being drafted. Edmonton doesn't have to do anything but show up for that. That's a slam dunk. Don't even think about a type of pick. There's been a few of those over the years, the Crosby's, the Ovechkin, that sort of thing. Um, and then there are teams that really hit their, their draft picks, whether it's like Kale McCarr going fourth overall. And, you know, 
kids that are drafted ahead of him. It's just it's it's mind boggling to think about how he slipped to forward now seeing what we've done over the last couple of years. And when you look at like I don't know how far back you want to look, 10, 15, 20 years. Every single team that has won the cup, yeah, they probably made a deadline move or two. Yeah, they had a really big free agent signing, but all of them have one thing in common. It's the homegrown talent. They, every single one of them has it. They're all their star players, their, their key guys in their roster were drafted, developed, came up through. There's loyalty there. They usually make less money, so the team has an opportunity to go and do more things with, with bringing players in. And that's like, you know, this is this is where it starts tonight for hopefully some of these teams. I think Shane Wright could be a, maybe not a franchise player, but he's a team that makes another team a lot better. And he's already said he wants to go to Montreal, even though Montreal, as of a few days ago, I, would, I assume they picked by now. But they seem to be uncertain on who they're taking with that pick. Well, I would be uncertain, too, because as a GM and Kenton Hughes is good, he's done a good job as a Montreal GM so far. Like I was touching on earlier, you want a guy who is going to come in and make an impact. And based on, I'd say, the last three or four years in the NHL, the number one overall pick has been anything but impactful. You know, the, the question's still out there on Owen Power. We'll see this year how much of an impact he makes on Buffalo. But Alex Lafreniere, to date, has been a disappointment. Jack Hughes, to date, he's, he's showing signs. You love yourself some Jack Hughes. I know that. He's a good player. I think out of the top picks of the last five years he's the number one you got Rosmus Dahlin you know still question marks and then you got Nico Hirshire question marks surrounding it's his sire her I don't know I always throw an R in people's names I don't know why but then you go back again and then then you start to get the creme de la creme you get the Matthews you get the McDavid's you get the Ekblad's you get the McKinnon's you throw in Yakupov it was just a barf but then Taylor Hall John Tavares Stamkos Kane like those are franchise altering Crosby, Ovechkin, Flurry, Rick Nash, Kovalchuk, franchise altering players. You can lock in, you sign them for 10 years, like you said, and they will just guide your team for years to come. I think the last five years of drafts, number one overall pick, it's making GMs gun shy. You're, you're questioning how this number one overall pick is going to pan out. And if you're a team like the Montreal Canadiens, you have a lot of good players on your team. You're not in a dire straits like a Buffalo Sabres or, in my eyes, a New Jersey Devils. You have some players there to kind of build around. Why wouldn't you entertain trading that number one overall pick, bringing in maybe a, a lower first round and a top high-end guy? If someone has their heart set on a Shane Wright or the Jurakovskis from New Jersey Devils, he's, I think, the the best prospect right now, that guy from Slovakia, I'm butchering his name, but I, I apologize. But yeah, if you're the Canadians, why not ship him out? You already have a Caulfield. You already have a Dvorak, a Hoffman, Anderson, Suzuki. You have some high-end guys. Supplement them with some you know, older NHL-ready prospects or talents, and then get a lower-end draft pick, and then just punt it. Why risk your GM career on a number one overall guy who could potentially just turn out as a dud? Like the last five guys could potentially be duds. So I don't blame him for shopping it around just because there's no, there's no one out there. That's just like, Oh, that's McDavid. He's a number one. That's Matthews. He's, he's, he's for sure. No more an overall pick. You know, it's McKinnon it's clear cut. Like the, those guys are studs. They're head and shoulders above everybody else this year. Who knows the last week or so, this Logan Cooley kid has been jumping up the boards. Everyone's all in on him. So I don't know. It's a very strange time. If I'm a GM, I don't want that responsibility. I don't want this on my resume when, when it comes to the end of the year and we had a dumpy year and all of a sudden the owner or the president's like, well, you ruined our first overall pick. You set us back for years to come because this was our guy that was supposed to vault us into contention. And now we're nowhere near being a good team because of that one pick. So you're gone. You're fired. So yeah, I'm kicking the can to the other GM. I'm picking up a couple first round draft picks for my number one overall pick. If I'm the Montreal Canadiens GM. Do you think that's a smart play for him, or do you think you just take the guy, Shane Wright, he's NHL ready, he's got the lowest floor, or no, the highest floor, but he doesn't have the highest ceiling, I think, of all the prospects. He, he's ready. He does everything good. Like, and, and don't get me wrong, he's, he's an elite player. He does everything really well. He's got you know intangibles coming out of his ears, but do you think that's a smart pick? Just take Shane Wright, plug him in. I think his floor is he's a second line center for 10, 15 years, you know, and that's not a bad thing to have on your team. If you can just lock him in, that's my guy, but you want that. I don't know. What do you think Montreal should do, Tim? 
I don't know. Like, you know, Ken Hughes being a, a relatively new GM, is he going to be more risk averse? Is he going to, he's got the first overall pick, take the slam dunk first overall prospect and, and not overthink it. Um, I don't think anyone would be, you're not going to lose your job if Shane Wright doesn't work out. It's like, he's the guy, he's the guy in this draft. I think so. But like you said, there hasn't really been a franchise altering player the last few years. And I wonder, too, if, if you're seeing the COVID lockdown from the, in the last couple of years start to play an effect. Does it impact not only the player's development when they're not playing at, you know, at the same speed, caliber, frequency for, for a while? Um, but the OHL shut down for like a year. And then you also have it's harder for GM, scouts and other analysts, evaluators to evaluate that talent. When the, 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 they're seeing them less, the smaller sample sizes, the smaller pools, they're not playing against the same level of talent. There's a lot of risk here. And I think, you know, we talked about it a couple of years ago. It's like we're going to see the development start to be a little bit more questionable. And maybe there's a lag in skill or the lag in um, there's probably some guy who's ranked like 200 right now that's just as good as some of these guys. But maybe they don't they just don't know. So I think I think COVID definitely has played a factor there. I think the a big not problem, but a- it's harder for scouts to, to just rank talent because everybody's really good nowadays. I think 10, 20 years ago, there was a clear cut, you know, creme de la creme upper echelon of, of prospects coming in and you could easily tell who was going to make the jump to the NHL. But right now you, you go and watch an OHL game. You go and watch a college hockey game. You go watch a game in the USHL. Everybody's really good. Everybody has such high-end talent. Everybody works throughout the summer. Everybody works throughout the year on their hands, their footwork, their speed, everything. So everybody has a good skill set. So to really set yourself apart, you have to be really good. And it's harder to do these days. And as a scout, when you're going to look at these players and you have a, a high-end first-round draft pick, you're going, well, who? Like that guy's supposed to be the stud. And you go and watch, and he's like, well, he's not really standing out that, that much compared to everybody else on the team. Like this Shane Wright, he was good. His teammates were pretty good too. You know, Kingston had – he was good, but he also wasn't standing out compared to everybody else. So it, gone are the days when I think you, you – you can earmark Sidney Crosby. You can earmark, you know, Connor McDavid, and they just head and shoulders for years above the rest of the the rest of the competition. I, I just don't think that's going to happen anymore because everybody works so hard, three hundred sixty five days a year. There, there's nothing that sets people apart anymore unless you have some God given talent, which happens. But it's just so hard to be a scout these days. It really is, unless you're scouring the country or the world. It's just a crapshoot. And I, I think even with the number all pick, it, it's come down to this, where it's like, there's so many good players. And we saw it with Detroit, they took Mo Sider. Everybody was like, why are you taking Mo Sider? This guy's terrible. What's There's so many better players out there. Lo and behold, he, he, he wins the Calder, and he is the face of the franchise now. And everybody looked at Steve Eisner and said, you're an idiot. What are you doing here? Everybody's very close. The parody when it comes to talent it's just going, it's getting so close. The There's no gap anymore. From the AHL to the East Coast to the NHL, the talent level gap is very small. Whereas 10 years ago, the jump from the AHL to the NHL was pretty substantial. I don't want to say 10, maybe 20. It's been slowly, slowly, slowly closing in where everybody's just really good. And as a scout, as a GM, as a coach, it's hard to just evaluate. That's why Tampa, they're doing something right. They, they can go out and they can find players who are NHL ready and who can contribute in all kinds of different ways. So I don't know. It, it's a crap. Is, the one exception I think is that kid, Connor Bedard, who I think he's still 16, maybe 17. So he's a couple years out, but he will be a franchise. He's, he's Connor McDavid 2.0. And the, yeah, those players come along. It seems like every five to 10 years that, People said that about Yakupov. People said that about a lot of kids, but he does have that quality where you look at him, he's like, okay, everybody's 12, everybody's 13, everybody's 14. That one right there is better. Right there, that kid's better. And that's rare. That doesn't happen that often. So you, I just said the last five number one overall picks, none of those guys, everybody said Lafreniere was the next one, right? And he is the next Crosby. He is the next power forward who is going to change a franchise. Lafreniere, lock him in number one overall pick. Now look at him. He's a third-line center. He, he's not changing the way the New York Rangers play. He's, he's on their third line, solidly on their third line. He has, he has to show more in order to be you know, 
taken seriously. So yeah, we'll see if he, he pans out that Bedard, but right now it's just Shane Wright is not going to alter my franchise. That's, that's what I see when I look at him. And if I'm Ken Hughes, I'm shopping that pick right now. All right. Anything else on the draft you want to touch on Tim before we move on? Uh, just the Devils have the number two pick, and they've been pretty active about trying to shop it. A lot of reports around that. I think today, you know, it's just still Thursday morning, the draft tonight. I think we will see some major trades today. Teams trying to off- offload contract, a lot of pending free agents. A lot of those high picks could get moved. So I, th- I think this could be a really exciting day for the hockey world. I hope so. We'll just mention in the Montreal Canadiens, they are shopping Josh Anderson. And a team that's definitely interested is the Ottawa Senators. They've been linked. Josh Anderson has a big contract. He's a big contract, but he's also a very good player. If they can unload his deal, $5.5 million, I think that's a win for Montreal. When they signed him, that was a little that was a reach when they traded him for Max Domi from the Columbus Blue Jackets. They gave him that big deal. They expected him to maybe progress into a first-line winger, be a hard guy to play against. He's shown signs of that, but again, he hasn't really vaulted himself into the, that upper echelon of wingers. He does have the potential. He's six foot three, 230 pounds. He's put up big points in this in the playoffs at times. But again, when you only get no, he hasn't. He hasn't put up big points. I just looked at his stats. I expected him to be, you know, a point per game guy in the playoffs where where you think he would excel when it's an every other thing, every other night. You're playing the same team, you're bashing them, you're punching them in the face, you're you're a power forward. That's where you just thrive. How many points do you think Josh Anderson? What's his career high in a season? I would guess uh like 64. 47 after that it it bounces right down to 32 so for a guy who's making five and a half for the next four years you expect him yeah to get 60 70 points and to be an impact player he's not he he really isn't i think montreal signed him for what he will turn into and he hasn't turned into that in two years with montreal so they if they can unload him ship him off to ottawa get something in return for him on top of getting a salary cap off the books, that's a big win for Montreal. So watch that deal. I think that will happen today. I think it's a bad deal for Ottawa if they do that. Like, it's just the trouble with these teams, the Buffalo Sabres, the Ottawa Senators, the Arizona Coyotes of the world, you have to go above and beyond to get players to want to play for your team. So you have to go and trade for a guy like Josh Anderson because you would never get him in free agency. And you have to eat his bad contract because that's the only way you're going to get a player of his caliber to come to your team. When it comes to free agency, I, I like Arizona's in on Nazim Kadri. Kadri's not going to go to Arizona. Not a chance in the world. I don't care if they offer him $10 million. He will take $7 million to go somewhere else. No one wants to go to Arizona. No one wants to go to Ottawa. No one wants to go to Buffalo. I'm sorry. I, I played for two of those teams because the option was there because no one else wanted to go there. I was like, oh, I'll go there. Yeah, let's go. Like, uh, sign me up right now. But if you're a high-end guy, y- y- you don't want to go there. You want to go where you're going to win a Stanley Cup or where you are going to enjoy life outside of hockey. So this is what Ottawa has to do. Eat a bad cap to get a good player. Hopefully he can you know, turn it around in Ottawa. But keep an eye on that. Montreal, Ottawa. But let's let's look at some other signings. Minnesota Wild have re-signed one of their free or, uh, trade deadline acquisitions, Jake Middleton. He was highly sought after at the trade deadline, coming out of San Jose, rugged defenseman, stays at home, does everything relatively well, signs him to a three-year, $4.933912 million deal, average, oh, sorry, yeah, $3.735 million contract, 2.45 average annual value. Good signing for uh, Minnesota, Tim, surprising. Not surprising. Uh, he's a good player. He, they, they liked him a lot. He did some good things for them, even though they, they obviously lost in that round to the Blues. But he was, he's a good stay-at-home, stay shut-down defenseman. He's also dropped the gloves. He'll lay some big hits. Um, pretty, I think the contract is pretty right in the money for him. So, yeah, I think it's a good deal for them. They still I got agree. Some, some cap issues to work out, though, because they, they traded su- Fiala. Yeah. yeah, which is surprising because – they spend the money on him. They still, well, I guess they have Cam Talbot. What do they do for a goaltender? How do they bring in some supplemental scoring? Cause like we talked about, they have Kirill Kaprizov. After that, it gets pretty thin. You know, Matt Zuccarello, not getting any younger. He's 34. Joel Erickson is more of a, a second, third line centerman. They need to bring somebody in to make Kirill the thrill happy. You have to make that guy 
want to come to the rink. I don't think he's going to be happy when he's 26, 27, he's 25 now at the end of his contract when he's just been carrying this team like a Marion Gabrick did so long ago. And he's had, he's got no one to ride shotgun with. You have to bring in more talents to surround this guy with. Imagine how good Kirill could go ahead. Who is Gabrick's best center in Minnesota? Koivu? Probably, probably Demetra. Pavel Demetra. Oh, yeah. He was, he was good. good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brian Rolston was pretty good. Uh, uh, Pierre geez. Mark Bouchard. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are no, yeah, no stars. No stars. No stars. Miku Koivu. You know, but no real yeah. playmaking center who can just get you the puck in stride on a consistent basis. And Kirill Kaprizov, he needs that. Kaprizov is a shooter. The guy's got a wicked shot. He's got a wicked release. He's very creative. He needs someone who can play with him at his tempo, at his speed, at his talent level. And they, he played with Ryan Hartman for Pete's sake. Just let that sink in. He played with Ryan Hartman, who's a good player. He has no business being on the first line with a guy of that talent. So Billy Guerin's got some work to do. But yes, good signing with Jacob Middleton. He still has a lot, a lot of work to do. All right, some news out of Dallas. John Klingberg, unsurprisingly, will be hitting the open market on July 13. Talked with the Stars are cordial, as I guess they should be. I don't think there should be any animosity between the two teams. They, they made their bed at the trade deadline. Dallas went for it. They didn't trade him. They signed Heisken into a long deal. They signed Essa Lindell to a long deal. They brought in Ryan Suter. We, we, that's been well talked about. John Klingberg, 29-year-old. Call him a stud defenseman at this point in his career, or is this another issue, another case of a Oliver ekman Larson, a Tyler Myers, a guy who has played good hockey, but his best years are behind him, and someone's going to give him a boatload for the next six years, and they're just going to be disappointed and be saddled with this really bad contract for a player who's okay, but not an elite defenseman anymore. What do you think? Is John Klingberg going to be one of those contracts where you look at and you go, oof, woof, you paid for him when he was 22, and now he's 30, and he stinks? Well, he's so good offensively, right? Like he can, he's one of the better power play quarterbacks in the league. He's so good at the blue line. He's so deceptive with his shot and his passing and things like that. So as long as you're contributing that um, and he can put up some points, I think he'll, he'll be effective, but the the back end and the defensive zone is where the question marks have always been and watching some stars game and talking to some of our listeners who follow the stars. And I know he's a frustrating kind of polarizing player for that franchise. So I could see that being like, you know, if he goes to like uh, Edmonton, for example, he'll put up 50, 60 points. But if he, he's not going to win you a cup, and I don't know that he's, I don't know that he's a, a top pairing defenseman on like a, a cup winning team. So is he going to be a disappointing contract in three years when he turns 32 and you look beside his number and he's got a $7 million cap hit, Tim? Is the team going to be just regretting that signing? Because he will sign a six-year deal. Right, He's at the stage in his career where he's not going to do a two-year deal. He's not going to do a three-year deal. He is going to want a six- to seven-year term for $7 million or potentially more. Is he a disappointing contract in three years? Answer the question, Tim. I'll say yeah. Yeah, for sure. Under those terms, he's, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> not too confident. I go Final answer. without a doubt, yes. All right, another, another player to watch, the JT Miller watch. Coming out of Vancouver – What are we going to do with JT Miller? He's off the books next year. He's going to be UFA at an unbelievable season. Vancouver shopping him. Their asking price remains incredibly high. You mentioned there's going to be some fireworks tonight. Do we see JT Miller get moved tonight to one of these teams in Vancouver getting a high-end draft pick? I mentioned it with Montreal. If you're the Montreal GM, and I know this is a lot. You would have to include something else if you're Vancouver. You're not just going to go one number one overall for JT Miller. But would this be a smart trade if if you have one of the top three draft picks to get a guy like JT Miller to get a guy who you know can play in this league? You can lock him in for seventy five points for a bad year. He's going to kill penalties. He's going to be on the power play. You can plug him in for the next three or four years. He's twenty nine. He plays a hard type of, of hockey, but he's got all the intangibles that you like. Would you trade for JT Miller and give up your one of your top five picks and just call it a uh, day? Yes, I would. He's, would. The, he's the kind of guy. Yeah. Well, it depends because, you know, I think Montreal could be right back in. I don't know if they're cup finalists again, but they're a team I expect to be back in the playoffs this year. I like the Devils too, but like 
if you're the Kraken, if you're Arizona, it doesn't make sense to make that trade because you're Miller doesn't make you that much better. But if you're looking to be on the upswing, I think Miller's the kind of player that has a huge impact with the way that, you know, we talked about him on the show. He does everything. And so what are you hoping to get with a draft pick other than what JT Miller gives you? And it's guaranteed. It's going to be a little bit more expensive, but he's still fairly young and he's a guy that I would build a franchise around. Yeah, I guess the upside of drafting is you get that player under control for seven years until he's 25 years old. You can get him at a relatively inexpensive contract the first three and hopefully sign him to a long-term you know, deal that he plays himself into, like McKinnon signed, like all these guys signed. But yeah, I, again, we, we talked about at the top of the show, are there any impact players that are going to change your franchise? I don't know. I think I'm making this deal as well. I think JT Miller is better than every play in the draft. I don't think anybody in this draft will be as good as JT Miller. I do this deal, but I would need to have something included if I'm the team getting JT Miller because the number on overall pick is a number on overall pick. All right, moving on. The Calgary Flames. Not a great playoffs, had a great season, trying to big back, bring back Johnny Gaudreau. What are you hearing out of Calgary, Tim? What kind of numbers are they throwing at Johnny to try to get him re-signed? Well, we had a, uh, a report that they offered him the 9.5 range. I don't know the term, but I got to think that would be enough. If I'm him, am I really trying to make more than that? Like, there's only a handful of guys making double digits, and I'd rather, you know, I, I can't imagine him not wanting to take that deal unless it's, the term is just not right. So I would think nine and a half seemed like a good number for Johnny if the if the Flames were able to you know fit that in their cap situation. Yeah, the Flames, they have room. I think the other pressing is pressing issue is Matthew Kachuk does not want to be in Calgary. He he has made that clear ever since he got drafted by Calgary. He has been a stick in the mud there signing his um, entry-level contract. He wanted a bridge deal, this and that. They they went to war over that, and now he's at RFA again, 24 years old. Teams are maybe thinking about throwing an offer sheet at Calgary, making them sign him to a high deal. Matthew wants out. If I'm Johnny Gaudreau, I am watching this situation like a hawk. Johnny can go anywhere. He's a UFA. He's from the New Jersey area. Maybe he goes back to the East Coast. Does he want to stay in Calgary with a team that might not be a contender? If you lose Matthew Kachuk, how good are the Calgary Flames? Honestly, you have a lot of bad contracts. You got Lucic. You got <clears throat> Milan Lucic, Blake Coleman, Elias Lindholm. You got Michael Backlund. Are these the type of guys you can win a Stanley Cup with? I don't know. Without Kachuk, without Goudreau, Calgary's a bad team. So if I'm Johnny, honestly... I played my last game for Calgary. Uh, it was a good run. We had a fun year last year. We, we kind of shocked a lot of people. I am moving on. I know I'll get my money elsewhere, and I'm just going to take my talent south of the border. I'm looking at teams who have a potential to win a Stanley Cup in years to come, and I'm gone. And I think Calgary has to reload. They got to just lick their wounds and come back and try to figure out how to win because Kachuk doesn't want to be there. Johnny Gaudreau is going to be gone. Calgary will be a vastly different team next year. That's I, I don't think there's any chance he signs in Calgary. Well, there's a chance. But he would have done it already. Don't you think? Maybe he's trying to wait and see what they, they do at the draft, see if they can get Matthew Kachuk signed. I think he will test free agency. He will like what he sees. He will get a lot of offers. He's a highly sought-after guy. So if Kachuk gets traded today, you're saying that Gaudreau does not sign with Calgary? Correct. I think the only way Johnny comes back if Kachuk comes back. And even then it's it's very slim. I think Johnny's gonna he's played his last games in Calgary. That that's that's the sense that I get. All right, moving on to another star who might be seeing his last days in the city he was drafted by, in the city he had a beautiful career with, Evgeny Malkin. Rumors out of Pittsburgh was he got offered two years at six million per. Not about him. I think that's a good range for Evgeny. He wants a longer term. He wants some commitment there. He doesn't want to just have a two-year deal and have to go through this again in two years. He wants a four- or five-year deal. If you're Ron Hextall, do you lock Malkin up for four or five years at $6 million per, and then you look in the mirror in two years, and he's just a shell of his former self, and he's 37 at that point, I want to say? Do you give this guy a four- or five-year deal if you're Ron Hextall? Well, Malkin, he's had dealt with injuries his entire career. I don't see him aging gracefully in terms of staying healthy, staying on the ice. He's had a lot of issues, a lot of complications, and I think that would only get worse as he gets older. 
But at the same time, and, and I, I was reading a little bit of uh, the Penguins fans and, and reporters this morning, and the idea, the general sentiment is that they want to bring him back and offer him four years. The idea is that he's earned it. All these huge seasons, I think he was MVP once, he three cups, obviously. Like, if he wants to, if four years is what it takes him at a pretty, you know, six million per is a pretty fair deal. Give him the extra length, even if it means he won't age totally gracefully. At least as he retires as a Penguin, similar to what we saw with Roethlisberger and in, in the Steelers, where it took around a little bit longer than you thought, but it was the sentimental value at that point. But that's those are fans talking. Those are reporters talking. Hextel's got a completely different point of view and a completely different job in this. So that's a sticking point, and it could be that he doesn't want to go that length and Malkin becomes a free agent, which we know that because he talked about this earlier. He said he's confident that he'll get the deal done with Chris Letang, and I expect him to stay there. But Malkin is not really the same situation, and I think it's – I wouldn't – I would say most likely he still stays in Pittsburgh, but there's a really, really strong chance that he doesn't. I think he's gone, and I think if I'm Ron Hexel, I'm going to open the door for him when he leaves. If that's what he wants – if he wants a four-year deal, you cannot make this deal. For everybody waxing poetically about Ben Roethlisberger, Steelers were garbage this year. Steelers were garbage last year. You can't have any sentimental connection to players. It has to be like buying a car, buying a house. It has to be strictly, does this make me a better team? Is this going to help me win a Stanley Cup? Yes, it's great. We'd love to see him retire as a, as a Pittsburgh Penguin. I was going to save this for our off-season show. I think they're going to trade Sidney Crosby. I think you have to move on. If you're Pittsburgh, your window has closed. You have Sidney Crosby signed for another three years. You have to move on from him. He signed to a good number, 8.7. Yes, he's got a no-move clause. I understand that. Yager gets traded. Lemieux gets traded. All the good players get traded. It happens. Like You're, you're not untouchable just because you're Sidney Crosby and you've won three Stanley Cups and you're you know, one of the best players of all time. You have to move on if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins and take the next step and just let go of that core. Fleury is gone. You got to let go of Malkin. You got to let go of Latang. You got to let go of Crosby. Just move on. Take the step forward. Now is the perfect time. If you lock yourself into these guys and handcuff yourself to them, because that's what it will be if you hand if you sign these guys, you're resigning yourself to medio- mediocrity for the next three, four years. Gone are the years when these guys will lead you to a Stanley Cup Finals. And win a Stanley Cup. And it, it's just, it's the truth. They're very good. They're not good as they were 10 years ago. So you have to just be able to bite the bullet, swallow it. You're going to take some bad press in, in a few, you know, for a couple of weeks. The fans aren't going to like it. As a franchise, you'll be better off. Maybe you'll be worse this year. You'll be better off two or three or four years down the road. You can start your rebuild process. You have some good young players you can potentially build around. Jake Gensel is still in his prime. You can build around those guys. You're not going to win anything in the next three, four years. I, I'm sorry. So what's the point? If I'm Ron Hextall, I'm shopping Sidney Crosby. I have a private conversation with him and I say, hey, listen, this is where we're at as a franchise. We're not going to bring back Malkin. I know you love the guy. Latang's a good player. We can't afford him. We, we can't do this. We have to bring in young blood. We can't just keep doing the same thing and bringing Latang back for six, seven, eight million dollars. He's 35 years old. We have to move on from you guys at some point. I would like to trade you. Where would you like to go? I will honor that and I will try to get as much as I can for you, Sid. And then you move on. And that's it. It's it's cut and dry. I love I hate the New England Patriots, but I love how they do business. They don't get tied to players, they don't get tied to emotions. They base their team year to year on how is this going to be a better team for me this year and it'll affect me down the road they they let tom brady go they let all these great franchise altering players go and then they're just done and then they're got and they're moving on they don't think about it the guys in the rearview mirror and away we go all right st louis blues is that do you think that's a good move where do you, you you're probably a more sentimental guy let's hold on to him let's sing kumbaya we'll have a big jumbotron just showcase and it'll be an hour long and everybody will cry and it'll be great that's what you want to do tim yeah, I would say that exactly. I, honestly, I don't know. I, I <laughs> you, you threw me for a loop with the Crosby thing. I hadn't even thought about it, so I'll have to think about it some more. I just can't picture him playing for anyone else but Pittsburgh. Uh, the same way that, honestly, I'm surprised, you know, five, six, seven years ago, I would have bet that by 2022, Malkin was not an opinion <clears throat> anymore. I would have bet a lot of money. I thought um, back in the day, and this is probably like my, you know, video game GM mode brain talking, but I thought for sure when the Devils had Kovalchuk and Parise, 
two elite wingers at the at their peak with no strong center like Zajac, but he's not an elite center. And then you got Pittsburgh with two elite centers, but no really strong wingers at that point. This is before Castle, before Hosa. And I'm like, they should trade Malkin for Parise. Then you got a center and a wing, American, Russian, Russian. It'll be, it's too easy. It'll be perfect. And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, and Malkin aids much better than either of those guys. But I, I think both of them stay with Pittsburgh. I hope they don't. I hope they don't. I would love to see both of them get traded, go to somewhere else, shake it up. It's fun seeing star players go to different teams and see how they adapt, see how they just join their team, the Claude Giroux of the world. We'll see. I think like the well, NBA. Yeah. Well, the NBA is just, a, it's just a free for all that. I wish we were an NBA podcast. We would have just things to talk about for days. All right. A team that's trying to shake up their roster, a team that, you know, won a Stanley cup four years ago, St. Louis blues again, once again, this off season, they're shopping Vladimir Tarasenko, but added to the list this year is a recent free agent signing your friend, Tory Krug. What do you think about these this news coming to St. Louis? Are you surprised that they're shopping Tory Krug? Or is that just a no-brainer based on how he's played there? I, I am surprised. Um yeah, I hadn't really heard anything about that until I saw the report either yesterday or this morning. And the Tarasenko one makes sense. And he actually, I like what he did. And we talked about this last year. We requested a trade, didn't get it. And he shut up. He shut up. He played. He played really well. I think he had 85 points-ish last year. He did had a great season. And then he's came forward again this year and said, hey, no hard feelings, but I am looking again, looking to be traded again. Like I still want to move on from this team and want a fresh start. I expect him hundred percent to be traded. Maybe even today, the Krug one doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, I don't know that it's a, is it a matter of financial stuff? Is it, I know he had some injury, but he still produces. Okay. He's still a pretty good power play guy. Maybe he's not worth the money. Maybe the blues are retooling. I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine that he's hurting their cap too much. And I can't imagine that you're a much better team if you get him off the book. So I don't know exactly what their intention is there. I think they're doing the smart, prudent thing. I think they're doing exactly what I just said. The Pittsburgh Penguins should do. If you're the St. Louis blues, if you're Doug Armstrong, when you look at your roster, you okay, I'm losing Ryan O'Reilly next year. Vladimir Tarasenko is going to be a UFA. I'm losing Barbashev. I'm losing Walker. I'm getting Peron Bozak off the books this year. I need to figure out where my team is going to be in five years. I have a lot of guys locked up for long term. I got Justin Falk locked up for long term. I got Colton Pranko locked up for long term. I got Tori Krug locked up long term. Okay, my back end's pretty solid. What am I going to do up front? I need to make things happen. Who am I going to jo- build my team around? Jordan Cairo is a star player. We've seen it. We've seen we can do. He's a consider Robert Thomas. He's a very good player. Who else am I going to build around those guys? So he's he's making tough decisions. Vladimir Tarasenko, good player. He's done a lot for the franchise. We'll see you later. Ryan O'Reilly won us a Stanley Cup. Star player. You're 31 years old. I expect him to be moved. All these guys, they're moving on. That's it. You know, you did a lot for us. We'll, we'll try to put you in a good spot. Braden Shen, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved. Buchnevich, I think he'll stick around. Brandon Saad, I think he'll stick around. But they're not being loyal to anybody. They they, they shipped out Peter Angelo, they're, Jordan Binnington. They would leave, they would love to get out from under his contract for the next four years at six million dollars. They are a, a solid example of a franchise who doesn't get tied up with just loyalty. And I know that's a funny thing to say, but as a GM, you can't be loyal to anybody. You have to be able to cut ties at the drop of a hat and realize where your franchise is at and where it needs to be in order to win a Stanley Cup. They were very close to beating the Colorado Avalanche last year. That needs to be your thinking. You need to make your team better next year. Maybe they hold on to Ryan O'Reilly and try to re-sign him. But you have some assets that you can get some good players back. You can also make a mistake and sign these guys to a long-term deal. And the next thing you know, you're looking up and you got O'Reilly signed for five years, Tarasenko signed for five years. You got David Perron locked up for five years. And you're a junk team for the next five years because these guys are old, slow, fat, and their best years are behind them. So I think it's good. I think it's a great thing. I think you shop these guys. You've you've sucked the life out of their prime, and now they're on the downward slope of their career. So ship them out. Another GM will think they can, you know, suck some more energy out of them and some more talent, some more goals, and this and that. Good. And he'll pay for that player, and he'll pay for the player that he was, and he'll think he's getting that same player that he was five years ago. But he's not. He'll be as he'll be worse. He'll be worse than he is. So I think it's a good thing that they're shopping those guys. How many GMs do you think actually think in terms of long-term building when they None. know this, this, 
that's what I was going to say. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a really solid chance that even a team that's five years away from being really contending, you're probably not going to be here in five years, even if you do pretty well. Like, GM's jobs just turn over so quickly. Are they just mostly looking for short-term success in order to keep the paychecks coming? Like, what? How, even though they know it maybe is it dishonest that way? What do you think? Well, it's tricky, right, because you have to save your own skin. It would be refreshing if you were a GM and a president signed you and said, okay, we're going to keep you around for six years or five years. That, that's your window. So do what you need to do now, but we better be showing signs of improvement at three, four, five years. Because as a GM, you're always looking behind you. Ah, am I going to get fired? Am I going to get fired? So there, there's never any security there. So <clears throat> I know it, based on my advice, all these GMs would probably be fired, you know, because they would be bad for a few years. You would, you would be forward thinking and you would be gassed. And then by the time your team did get good, it happened to Dale Talon in uh, Chicago. He was a forward-thinking GM. He, he went through the growing pains where he just was a bad team. He traded a lot of high-end guys, the, 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 the fan favorites. He had to draft all these young guys, the Keiths, the Seabrooks, the, the Taves, the Canes, the Bolins, the Bufflins, the Bickles. All of these guys were drafted by Dale Talon. And then right before they got good, they had been, you know, going through their growing pains, he get he gets gassed. Stan Bowman walks into this juggernaut of a team. Stan gets three Stanley Cups, and now he's just looked at like this genius. Stan didn't do anything. That was a Dale Talon built team. And everybody in Chicago knows it. Yes, Stan brought in Hosa. Other than that, that's a that's a Dale Talon Stanley Cup. His name should be on the Stanley Cup under the Chicago Blackhawks Cups because he did that. And as a GM, like that's that's what you think about. You're like, oh, if I would have just maybe spent more money instead of thinking three, four years down the road, I would have still had my job. We would have never won anything, but what are you going to do? Same thing in Tampa Bay. Breezeball gets the Stanley Cups. Stevie Y built that team. All right, moving on. DoorDash. If I'm Dale Talon, I'm going to order some DoorDash because I'm upset. And you should save some money. Use our promo code GlovesDDUS. If you're from the U.S. of A, you get 25% off free delivery. If you're in Canada, just use GlovesDD. Get yourself some food. Have some fun. You don't have to make food. I know people like making food these days, but it's fun to just, you know, order a pizza, veg out, throw on the draft tonight and just watch it. Don't even be worried about doing dishes. Use DoorDash, use our promo code, save some money, enjoy the draft. Gloves DD US if you're in the USA, Gloves DD if you're in Canada. DoorDash everybody. All right, Tim, what else are we talking about? A couple more quick ones then we'll be on our way. Yeah, I thought it'd be kind of do good to keep this relatively rapid fire, um, but do some quick hit questions, a little bit of recap and reflection on the season. And this reflection, this little, I like uh, that. Yeah, it's important to take a step back and just reflect it is. a little bit. It is. Yeah. So uh, these quick hit questions are presented by Points Bet. And the first question I want to ask you about is which non playoff team from this year is most likely to make the playoffs next season? Which, which team is going to make that jump? Detroit Red Wings. Ooh. I, like I think that. Stevie makes a splash. Um, at this draft, I think he makes a splash in this free agency period. He's been waiting a few years to have the amount of cap space that he does. I think the younger players have proven themselves ready to, you know, take that next step. The most siders, the Lucas Raymonds of the world. I think they go for it. They have a lot of money to spend. They got 30 to $35 million in cap space. You still have these guys signed in the e entry level contract for a few years. You got most cider for two years at $863,000. You take advantage of that. You got Lucas Raymond signed for two more years at 925. You take advantage of that. You have a lot of money to spend, and they'll have a lot more money to spend next year when they lose Dylan Larkin, Tyler Batuzzi, Pius Suter, Oscar Sunkfist, Adam Ernie. Like you have a lot of cap space this year and next year. I think you make a splash this year, you make a splash next year. And don't look now, but in three years, the Detroit Red Wings will be Easter Conference final. I think this is a team that is earmarked for good things. So I think they will make the playoffs next year. What about you? Um, it's kind of a boring pick, but I'm going to go with the Vegas Golden Knights just because I think they were so close already. I think it's probably, you know, the, the Pacific division. We spent a lot of time on that. So if I'm, if I'm a betting man, it's the, it's the Knights, but I really like the Red Wings. I'm excited about that franchise. Yeah. And then there's always the Canucks, the, the Islanders. They were the hottest team at the end of the season last year. Do they kind of continue that into next season? All right. What I got a question for you, Tim. Which playoff team, conversely, that made the playoffs will not make the playoffs next year? If Detroit's going to jump in there, who's falling out of that that uh, top eight? 
I go back and forth on this. There's a few teams I think of, but I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars. They just they don't excite me. They, there's not a lot of things. They're, they're getting older. They're losing Klingberg. Pavelski's older. Suter's older. Um, Ottinger is kind of the, the key factor, though. He's so good. He was so good during that playoff stretch. Can he do that over the course of a full season, being a number one A goalie? Uh, TBD. But if I got to pick one of those teams, the Stars, they're just they're just not exciting to me. Oh man, when you're when you're dumping twenty million dollars on Sagan and Ben, ugh, it's that's a tough pill to swallow. But yeah, you took the Dallas Stars. You know where I'm going. I'm going back to the well, Washington Capitals. You're you're not going to make this playoff. The reason they made the playoffs this year is because they had such a hot start. The second half of the season, they were an average team. They're not making the playoffs. Market, you know, I was a year too early for my predictions. I think this year Ovechkin doesn't hit 30 and the Capitals do not make the play. I don't even think Ovi's going to get 20 goals, but we'll save that. We'll save that for another day. All right, which top four team that made it to the conference finals this year? Avs, Rangers, T-Bay, Oilers. Which ones make it back or they all make it back, Tim? Uh, Avalanche for sure. I'm going to say only the Avalanche and Tampa Bay. I think I think the Rangers don't make it back. I think they have a strong season, but I don't think they make the top, top four again. And I don't think the Oilers will be any better than they were this year. So yeah, just I know it's kind of a boring pick, but I would say Colorado and Tampa. I'll take the Rangers and Colorado. I think the Rangers are going to build off this year. I, I really do. I like. Gosh, they have what it takes, Tim. What do I say to win a Stanley Cup? What do you need? Strong down the middle, good defense. They have very good centermen. They got Mika Zibanejad. They got Philip Cheadle. They got these centermen who can play the game, and they got strong defense with Adam Fox, my my man crush, Jacob Truba, Lindgren. We've talked about Keandre Miller, Schneider. We've talked about their defense. And then to add insult to injury, they have the best goaltender in the NHL at a position that I don't think is valued very highly. You don't need a good goaltender, but when you do, it's it's a nice thing to have. So I like the Rangers. I think they will be a better team next year. They'll make the Eastern Conference Finals. All right, a couple more. Which team surprised you the most this year, Tim? Uh, I'll go with Edmonton. Um, just because I don't think anyone, except for maybe the guys on that on the, our sister podcast, thought they would do that well. Um, I thought, you know, maybe miss the playoffs, maybe win a round. And the fact that they were able to go to the Western Conference Finals is was definitely surprising. I think the the pieces that they added helped them a lot. The the Evander Canes, the Hymans, and then Mike Smith played pretty it was a you know tail of two goalies for most of his starts. He's either letting up five goals in the first period or he's posting a shutout. But overall that team really surprised me. So if I had to pick one, that's 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 my group. You know, it's a strange pick. I'm gonna say the Toronto Maple Leafs in a positive way. I think they even though they lost in the first round, even though, you know, they they didn't do anything in the playoffs, I think Toronto grew a lot this year. I think they they made me believers in the Toronto Maple Leafs based on this year. And I know it's strange to say, even though they collapsed Fifth in the playoffs. Year in a row, John. And they were up 3-2 to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I do firmly believe that Toronto will be the best team in the Eastern Conference next year. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Leafs. As much as I hate the Leafs, as much as I like dumping on them, Mitch Marner showed me a lot. Austin Matthews showed me a little more. That Mitch Marner is the straw that serves a drink for me in the Toronto. So if, if he continues to progress his game, they're, they're a really good team. I, I like, even though they lost to Tampa, it, you know, they were, all right. On the opposite side of that coin, which team disappointed you the most this year, Tim? Uh, there are so many to pick from, like the Flyers. We were so excited about all the, the, the moves they made. The Blackhawks, similar situation. I'm going to go with the Islanders. Uh for a lot of reasons. I mean, to miss the playoffs after like the last five years or so, it felt like, okay, yeah, you add Barzal and he's breaking out. You got um, Bavillier, you add those, those defensemen, the Pelich and Pulak, and like you're getting pretty good goaltending. You can see their progression of their franchise moving forward year after year, including making to the Eastern Conference Finals, losing to the Lightning two years ago. You're like, okay, now this is, this is, their, this is their conference now. The Lightning are going to get older. They're going to lose some guys. I'll take another step forward. And they were so bad. They finished strong, but they were among the worst teams in the league for a lot, a lot of that season. And it just made no sense to me because they weren't really that different on paper. They lost one or two players, but it was mostly the same group. I don't understand. I think Barzal uh, <clears throat> is another name to keep an eye on. I've seen his name tossed around in some trade rumors. So I would have to say of all the disappointments last year, the Islanders are at the top of the list. 
Well, who got, who's got the first overall pick this year? Montreal Canadiens. Like they're or the Ottawa. It's any team in Canada, really. The Ottawa Senators. They they were supposed to be contenders this year. The GM came out and said, "You know, this is our year. We're going to go for it. We're not, we're not going to be a passenger anymore. We're going to really go for it. We're going to win." You stuck. Montreal go from the Stanley Cup Finals to just first overall pick. The most biggest collapse I've seen in sports from like one year being on top of the world to the next year just being a complete floor mat for every team in the NHL. They were bad. Marty said, Marty, kind of give him a little boost, but they were a bad team. They were a bad team all around. Every every facet of the game, they were a bad team. And they hopefully they're better next year. All right. Boldest pr- prediction, Tim, this offseason. Yeah, going back and forth on this one, but I'm going to go. This is the one I would love to see. I don't know if it's that likely, but that's what makes it bold. John Gibson to Edmonton Oilers. It just seems like a match made in heaven. I think, I don't know if he wants to go there, but if they were to make that trade happen, he makes those guys, I would say, instant contender. If he can do what he does, they're a top, easily, I don't know, top five or six team in the league that could surprise a lot of guys in the playoffs. So I'd love to see that happen. I don't think it's likely, though. Yeah, no, nobody wants to play in Edmonton. Edmonton's like shopping every goaltender. They, they're in on Marc-Andre Fleury, but guess what? Fleury said, I don't want to play in Edmonton. John Gibson, I don't want to play in Edmonton. Darcy Kemper, I don't want to play. Nobody wants to play in Edmonton. So I, I would like to see that too. I think my bold prediction, Malkin goes to Minnesota. We just talked about, Kirill, we talked about Kirill Kaprizov needing a high-end centerman. We talked about him playing with the guy who can, you know, elevate his his level of play. I think Malkin, if you can milk him for two or three more years, he would like to play with a young Russian. I think he's comfortable. He's played with Kirill Kaprizov before in the in the Olympics and in international play. I think that makes sense. He obviously knows Billy Garen. Billy was there in Pittsburgh during his time, so they have some kind of connection there. I would like to see that. It would make that would make sense for me. Malkin, first line center. Play with Kirill Kaprizov, lock it in. That's my bold offseason prediction for today. That being said, thank you everybody for joining us. Go check out PointsBet. Go check out DoorDash. Do some gambling. Do some eating. Just it's a win-win all around. I hope everybody has a good weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.